long. And I would like for one minute for us to be still and listening for God. That we take the time and we just ask one question, God, what do you need me to hear today? So, I got, I got my timer. Three, two, one, go. God, we know that your promise is that where two or more gathered, there you are. And so this morning, I pray for us that we would hear from you. That my words would fall away, that yours would come to the front, and that whatever we're needing to hear today, that you would give us clarity in hearing it. And God, we pray for Chip, not only that he's recovering, but as the leader of our church, that you would give him wisdom, that you would give him um, encouragement to push forward, and just that we would encourage him in that leadership. And so, God, we just pray for this morning that you would get the glory for it. In your prayer, amen. Thank you. I know that's a little weird, because uh, a minute of silence feels like forever. In reality, like when you, when you think about the world that we live in, a minute of silence never happens. You know, I, I'm about to be a father of two. I am a father of one nine-year-old, and a minute of silence in our house, something has gone terribly wrong. <laughs> and so thank you for doing that. Um, it feeds into what I want to talk about today, which is personal worship. Um, I think this is something that we don't talk about enough. We don't uh, address enough. Uh, we have this curriculum that we do. Am I feeding back? Am I popping a lot? It feels like it. Anyway, so we have this curriculum that we go through called uh, Journey Curriculum. It, it was made by um, Perimeter Church, and it's something that we do that's kind of like the step beyond regular life group. Um, it's a discipleship commitment where you're spending years together with a group of people to learn how to better equip yourself to be a Christ follower in the world. And one of the big sections that they do for a couple of weeks is personal worship. They ask you every week and they say, how is your personal worship habit been this week? And that doesn't look the same for everybody. And so trying to piece that together for us today, uh, I, I wanted to talk about some of the aspects of that so that you as an individual can determine how do I do that. Um, so one of my favorite books is a, uh, it's a book by A.W. Tozer. It's called Knowledge of the Holy. And he says this about how we should approach God and how we should worship. It says it's a lifelong duty to love God with every power of mind and soul, to obey him perfectly, and to worship him rightly. 
Now, what does that mean for us when it comes to our faith and our growth? What does God's word say about how we're supposed to worship personally, how we're supposed to grow in that belief? So if you would turn to James 1, it's not the only verse that we're going to read today, but it's where we're going to start off. Um, James, James 1, starting in verse 19. This is probably one that is relatively familiar. I feel like James is a book that's read a lot because it's one that's very ap- applicable. It's not a trying to figure out what James is trying to say kind of book. It's like, <laughs> this is what I'm saying. And so uh, James 1, starting in verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So, feeding off how we we started today, the first thing we need to talk about is being a good listener. And so, that's why we started off the way we did today, is because in a relationship, I feel like all of us would agree in a relationship, if all you do is talk, and you never listen to what the other person has to say, is that a healthy relationship? No, right? Nobody would say that. Imagine, imagine if you would for a minute, spouses, if all your husband did was talk and he never asked you your opinion and let you have a word. How would that relationship go? How quickly would you punch him? (laughs) I feel like most of us have this this problem, that we have this idea that when we come to God and when we pray, when we talk about what's on our hearts, we spend the whole time saying, God, this is what's going on, 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 amen. And so that's why we started off the way we did this morning, because I feel like, even me personally, I have a hard time sitting still and listening to God. I tell the teenagers all the time, like, when I pray, if I close my eyes and bow my head and put my hands together, and I have, like, music playing in the background, I'm going to start praying, and then all of a sudden I'm thinking about biscuits, and then biscuits goes to, well, you know who likes biscuits? Navy SEALs. You know what's really cool about the Navy SEALs? And I just get off this tangent for 30 minutes, and I realize I have not spent a single moment really focused on what God is trying to teach me. And so when we talk about this idea of listening, this isn't, uh, this isn't like what some of our relationships are like in the world where, we, uh, <laughs> where it's like, oh, that's a really cool story, but listen to my story because it has me in it. The relationship that we're supposed to have with God is one of constant communication. It's one where we are supposed to speak to God what the things we are feeling. But if we don't listen for the answer for the question that we're asking, how are we going to move forward? Parents of children, once again, sorry for those that do not have children, if you tell your kid to do something and they walk away in the middle of you trying to tell them what to do, and they come back three minutes later and say, what did you ask me to do again? How mad do you get at your kid? (laughs) How frustrated do you get that they didn't listen to the whole explanation before they left to go try to do something? 
And the same is true with our walk with God. If God is telling us to do something and we only listen to half of what he's trying to tell us, if we only listen to a little bit of what he's trying to tell us and we walk away trying to accomplish the task that he's set before us, but we don't have his full guidance and approval and knowledge of what he's trying to teach us, how are we going to succeed? And I feel like that's where most of us get defeated is that we, we talk to God and we have a prayer relationship with God, but we don't have a listening relationship with God. We don't want to hear the answer. We don't listen for what's coming. And it could be maybe because we don't want to hear the answer. Right? I mean, I feel like a lot of us deal with things where we're, God, I don't really want you to answer this. I just want to talk about it. That's fair. That's fair. You can vent to God. I, I, I've, I've said before, like, I, I've been mad at God and had to express my opinion and my feeling. God, I, I feel really bad right now about something that's going on in my life, and I don't, I don't know where you are in it. But here's the thing. I feel like most of us, when we pray to God and we ask God for those things, we're not doing it from a perspective of, I'm mad, I need to vent. I think we do it from a perspective of, I don't want to hear the answer because that means that I would have to change. That I would have to do something different. We're comfortable in the thing that we're doing. And so if God tells us to change, if God tells us to do something different, we reject it. And good listening is not just hearing what somebody's saying, right? Hearing and listening are not the same. If I hear God telling me to do something and I don't act upon it, I'm just hearing him. I'm not listening. And so we need to have a habit of being an active listener looking for where God is moving. Martin Luther um, the leader of the Reformation said it this way, to pray well is the better half of study. And praying well is not sitting down, throwing up 50 things that God needs to do in your life, and then walking away. Uh, I think Martin Luther is also the one who famously said, every day I start with two hours of prayer. If I know it's going to be an extremely hard day, I start with three. And it's awkward. I mean, that was one minute that we started off with. It's going to be awkward to wait and listen for God. But we have to fight through that to better our relationship with him. So, secondly, location matters. So, if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. And most of y'all know uh, Matthew chapter 6 from the Lord's Prayer. I feel like everybody's heard the Lord's Prayer before. Either you've watched it in a movie or your coach would say it every time you played a game or whatever. But a lot of times we don't talk about what comes right before it. So, verse chapter 5. And when you pray, you must not be like hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So, personal worship. That's exactly what it's supposed to be, personal. It's not about 
showboating in front of a bunch of people. You know, for a long time, uh, one of the big, me personally, how I feel, one of the big problems when it came to churches and pastors and things like that is that they would use these word, these $80 words when people can understand like a dime. And so it, it when you're using huge words to try to exp- like pray to God and trying to show up who you are and show how spiritual you are, God hears that just as much as he says, God, I'm struggling. But the location matters. And it's not about the position that you're in. It's not about like you have to be here to pray. That would make no sense. Um, although I do feel like, and this is just an aside, I feel like as somebody who's struggled with personal worship, I feel like way too many of us cling to Sunday mornings as our time to commune with God. And that's it. Uh, once again, spouses, if your husband or your wife only spoke to you at dinner time, how would you feel? Would you feel that they valued you, valued you? Would you feel like they were important? Same thing with, with kids. If you only spoke to your kids on Mondays, do you think your kids would like that? No. So our location is not about being in a physical place. It's not about being here on Sunday morning. It's not about small group or it's not about whatever you do. It's not about those things. It's about I need to have a place that I can set aside that's just me and God's. Um, You know, there was that movie War Room that came out. Gosh, that's like six years ago now, right? Oh my gosh, it's so long ago. All right, so um, in that movie, the the I can't remember her name. The lady who was selling the house, uh, she had a specific closet she went to, and she had all her prayer requests up on the wall, and she like had a chair in there so she could pray and all that stuff. That doesn't work for everybody, right? I, I fully acknowledge that not everybody has a space or a time where they can just go into a closet and sit there for an hour and a half. That's just, that's just not possible. Um, I was talking to somebody about this uh, not that long ago, and we were talking about prayer, and he said, well, really the time where I can just sit there in silence and focus on God, and when I can talk to him about what's going on, is when I'm driving to work every morning. In my truck, driving to my job site, I can sit there, and I actually have time to focus on, God, what do you want from me? What do I need to do? Everybody has that space. Everybody has that spot where you can say, every day I know this is happening, and I can set aside at least 15 minutes, 20 minutes, to just focus on what does God want for me today? You know, for me, it's, uh, we, gosh, so we have to get uh, Silas and Megan out the door by 6.40 every morning. So I'm awake at 5.45 making lunches or making coffee or whatever so that they can survive but then they all leave, and it's just me, and, and we have two cats, so, and the two cats, but, but it's just me sitting on a couch. The sun hasn't come up yet, and I can just sit there. I can focus, and I can talk to God. I can listen to what he has to say. It's not about a specific location. It's about the location that works for you. 
And so I'm not going to put on a timer, but just take a second and think about it. Think about your week. Pretty much everybody's week is relatively the same every week. Think about your week. How, how can you have time of personal worship with God? Uh, I can't Somebody said it to me, but somebody said, like, the place where I can worship God is when I'm washing dishes because nobody else wants to be around me because I'm washing the dishes, and so I can stand there, but I can actually just, you're doing something mindless, just washing, washing, and so you can actually focus on what God's trying to say. You know, and, and it doesn't look the same for everybody. That location, you could have music playing. For some people, that works. It does not work for me. That does, that does not work for me, because I'll listen to the song, and I'll know the song, and I'll start singing the song, and it'll take me off of what because, like, when I do schoolwork, I listen to, like, Disney music on piano. That's just my life. But, but when I'm doing schoolwork, I can take a break from that and sing a song for a second and then go back to it. When I'm praying, if I do that, it's very disrespectful. <laughs> so I, I try to make sure that my environment is calm. You need to be able to find that time for yourself. And whether you do it with with a spouse or with, with your kids all together, that's fine too. But you need to build those habits in your life. You need to be able to show, especially for those that have kids in the room, for those that want to impart that kind of knowledge to your kids, you need to set that aside and be able to say, let's do this together. Let's do something together where we talk about Scripture, where we talk about God, what He wants for us, what the life we are going to have looks like. So, last point, and I just simply put it this way, God knows. God already knows. So it's Psalm 139, Psalm 139, starting in verse 1. This is obviously one that I feel like everybody has heard at least once or twice in their life before. But it says, O Lord... You have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word was on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind it before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where, where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make a bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall overcome me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. There's a host of things that are stressing us out, right? I mean, for goodness sake, I'm standing up here today, and I was, JB knows, when Chip texts me Wednesday, he's like, hey, you're on backup. <laughs> my Thursday looked a lot different than what my Thursday was supposed to look like, and typing a sermon in two days, and being spiritually prepared to give it, and then standing up here, this is not my, this is not my cup of tea. <laughs> but, all of us have different stresses. All of us do. 
We all have lives that things are going to come up. And a lot of times we do come to God, and I talked about this a little bit ago, but we come to God and we're really frustrated. We come to God and we're frustrated with the things that are going on, with that one person at work that constantly chews with their mouth open and lets all the crumbs fall on the desk. Uh. <laughs> or we're frustrated because we, we don't like our job, but we don't have anywhere to go right now. Or maybe we're frustrated because our kids are having struggles at school and they're being bullied or they're being taken advantage of. And we're like, I'm not okay with that. And I, I, can't, I can't do anything except express my concern and nothing comes back. We all have stresses. Every one of us. Every single day we have a new stress and a new way to freak out and a new way to add on to our pile of what we're trying to do. And I feel like a lot of times we come to God and we say, God, I keep talking, but I don't know what you want from me. When we talk about God, I, I, I call it the big three O's that God is. God is omnipotent. He's omnipresent, but he's omniscient. Omniscience means that God knows. God knows everything. The, the thing that you're going through, the struggle that you're facing, the trial that whatever, you're, whatever happens to be, it is not a surprise to God. That's one of his biggest promises is that nothing is a surprise to him. And I know some of you are struggling with something today, something that is big, something that seems like it's insurmountable. But if you just remember to look behind you and see the last one that God led you through. God knows and God has a plan for you to grow spiritually. And it, it seems ridiculous because I feel, we feel like a lot of times because we're a Christian that life gets easier. It's wrong. <laughs> because we're a Christian, we have a target on our back. We, we always have something that is going to come up. Uh, the idea that there's a promise that life is perfect after you become a Christian is, couldn't be farther from the truth. But see, here in the scripture, Christ tells his people, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The yoke is still there. The burden is still there. But when you walk it with Christ, when you handle all of that with Christ, you're able to get through it. And some days it's just, I got to the end of the day and you just say, God, I'm struggling to see what you're doing, but thank you for letting me live another day. There are days like that. There are some days where God has like these amazing things in front of us and we have a great day and we're like, man, God, you've done an amazing thing. I'm so blessed. I'm so, but there are some days where it's just, God, I don't know what to pray, but thank you. Thank you for being you. And we're usually somewhere in between those two. And so we need to understand that whatever we're going through, God tells us we lay it at his feet. If we bring it to him, he hears us. Even if it seems like he doesn't. Even if it seems like it, there's like the, I always tell the students, it feels like a glass ceiling. Like you're trying to send God something, but it just like bounces back and it doesn't feel like God is hearing you at all. 
And to me personally, I feel like that's one of the biggest spiritual attacks that it feels like our prayers aren't making it to God. But God knows. God hears what you're going through. So uh, one more quote. As you all know, I'm a, I'm a big history nerd. I love history. Um, and so one of the coolest characters to study, although he has admittedly some flaws, uh, is Winston Churchill. Uh, Winston Churchill, if, I mean, I feel like everybody, most everybody in here is an adult, and you probably know that name. Winston Churchill was in charge of the British forces during World War II, and he said this. So, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. You might be celebrating a win in your life, and that's awesome. And we celebrate with you. That's great. But life goes on. And right now, you might feel like you're failing, that everything's falling apart, that your world's breaking apart, that you have no idea what to do. I'm, I'm sorry you feel that way. And, and, but understand, it's not fatal. That if we do pick it up and we keep moving forward, like it says in Psalm 139, that there is nowhere that you can go that God does not have his hand there with you. You can try to hide, you can try to run away, God is there with you. Understand this. God knows what you're going through. And he loves you. Even if you feel like the struggle that you're having right now is like, why would God love me? I'm doing all these things that clearly he says not to do. God still says he loves you. Your, your value to him is not in what you can provide for him. His value to him is that you are his, that he created you to be who you are. You know, the verses right after this in Psalm 139 say, you knit me together. You numbered the days of my life. So in this idea of personal worship, in this idea of us coming to God and building in our personal walk with him, understand that you need to be a good listener. You need to hear what God has to say to you. You need to have that place where you can have focused attention on what God is saying so you can be an active listener. And finally, you need to have peace that God knows what you're going through, that you're not alone. And at the very least, at the very least, understand that you're not alone here at this church. Even if you feel like God's not hearing me, understand there are people in this church that love you and care about you and want to help you however we can. So, um, as we wrap up, all this has to do with, from the perspective of, I'm a Christian. Um, I tell the teenagers a lot that I'm not naive enough to believe that everybody in the room necessarily has that relationship with Christ. Statistically, it's not, it's not likely that everybody does, but um, considering it's a runny, or rainy uh, Super Bowl Sunday, um, it could very well be true here this morning. But here's the thing. It's great to talk about these things, but if I don't even 
mention the fact that you need to have a personal relationship with Christ, then I've failed. Understand that God does love you. He loves you not because of how cool you are, the way you look, anything you do in your life. He loves you simply because you are, because you exist. He made you for a purpose. And if you're here this morning, whether it's your first time here or you've been here for a while and you do not have that kind of relationship with God, understand he's right there holding his hand out. That he says, come to me, hand me your burdens, hand me the things that you're struggling with, and I promise that I will be with you. And so this morning, if you would like to make that decision, if you would like to do that, there's a couple of ways that you can tell us. Uh, there's In the Connect card, there's that little slip of paper, and it says, I need Jesus. Or you can text, I need Jesus, to 55498. But don't leave today without doing how, how we started, with saying, God, I need to hear you today.